mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, exploring artificial intelligence and the fourth industrial revolution. Some serious and important topics to be discussed at the 22nd Annual Information Assurance Forum later this month at the University of Findlay. We have details. Also this morning, Hispanic Heritage Month is observed from mid-September to mid-October nationally, and that sounds like an occasion for a celebration at the Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center. And happening around town, from crafts to homemade food, community garage sales to the FFA Cow Pie Bingo, the Van Buren Fall Festival is happening this weekend. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Want to start with this uh, right out of the gate because apparently a new study uh, out of, that was published in the journal Frontiers in Microbiology has found that your grandma was right. Certain places on the body are hot spots for germs and unhealthy bacteria. I want to point this out. First thing right out of the gate as you hop in the shower this morning, scientists at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Uh, tested in this study what they call the grandma hyp- hypothesis, <laughs> uh, which if you remember grandma's warnings, uh, wash behind your ears and in between your toes. Your grandma tell you that? Wash behind your ears, in between your toes. Uh, they set out to analyze the skin microbiome of healthy people. That is the uh, community of microbes living on or in the human body, uh, which plays a, a role in your overall health. And its competition varies across dry, moist, and oily regions of the skin. Keith Crandall, the director of GW's Computational Biology Institute and a professor professor of biostatistics and bioinformatics, which just sounds impressive. I don't know if it is, but it sounds impressive, certainly. Uh He said uh, he recalled his grandmother always instructing the kids to scrub behind the ears, between the toes, and clean out your belly button. That was the other thing. Grandma said, clean out your belly button. Uh, And apparently, yes, as it turns out, uh, there are certain places on your body, including behind the ears, in between the toes, and your belly button that are hot spots for germs and unhealthy bacteria. So, yes, it is true. Again, a peer-reviewed study in the frontiers of microbiology. So, wash behind your ears this morning. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. This was uh, kind of interesting. I saw this on the uh, Newswire And it kind of jumped out at me because I've been seeing all of the previews for this new Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. It's based on a true story, and I won't go into the whole thing. If you haven't seen the trailer, it looks really good, and it is um, just a star-studded cat. Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, um, who else? I mean, it's just a fabulous cast, and it looks like a beautifully photographed film cinematography is gorgeous just from the trailer you can see that but anyway um 
the running time of the movie is three and a half hours. It is a three and a half hour film. And uh, there has been some criticism about the length of the movie, the running time. In a new interview, the 80-year-old Oscar-winning director says, uh, so what, basically? It's three and a half hours, so what? He said, people can sit in front of the TV and binge watch a series for five hours or more, or they go to a theater and watch a live onstage performance, like a Broadway musical is typically three uh, hours or more. It's not unusual. He said, if people give live theater or even television shows that respect, they should go to the cinema and give the same respect. I get it. I understand. I, I, I get what he's saying there. But the thing is, if I'm binge-watching a show for five hours straight, I can pause it and go to the bathroom or get a snack or something you know, whenever I want. And if I'm going to a Broadway show or a stage show, there's generally at least one intermission in a three-and-a-half-hour show. It's not one continuous three-and-a-half-hour. You know what I mean? So I, I'm i assuming there's no intermission built into the movie. So that, I think, would be the biggest. I don't. So I'm just curious. What, what would you think? Would you go... If you know, knowing up front that it's a three and a half hour movie, does that uh, change your likelihood to go see it? I would think for me it would. I would be less likely to go and watch the movie in the theater if I know it's three and a half hours without a break, as opposed to waiting for it to come out on home video, or I guess not home video now, streaming, whatever. Uh, I watch it at home so I can pause it when I need, when I need to run to the bathroom or something, you know. It's, so anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, this is definitely sad news, and a follow up to a story that we were talking about just last week on the program. You remember the story about the woman from Chicago? who recently set a world record for the oldest person to complete a skydive at the age of 104. You remember that story? Uh, Dorothy Hoffner is her name. She (laughs) jumped out of a perfectly good airplane at the age of 104, and I saw a video of Dorothy skydiving. She looked like she was having the time of her life, Um, and afterwards she said she couldn't wait to do it next year. Well, apparently... Sadly, that is not going to happen. Dorothy passed away in her sleep on Monday. She set the record last week after landing on the ground at uh, Skydive uh, Chicago Airport, uh, topping the previous record held by a 103, uh, 103-year-old Swedish woman who jumped last year. Um, Dorothy made her first skydive at the age of 100. <laughs> The Sprite Age of 100, she made her first skydive and uh, just became, just became the oldest person to uh, skydive, and she has now passed away. So, uh, sad follow-up to that, and again, I saw that on the uh, Newswire this morning, and yeah, that's heartbreaking. We were just talking about that uh, the other day, so certainly thoughts and prayers with her family. Um, this is a uh, an interesting story. Something to think about this morning as you're getting up, getting ready 
uh, to go to work. And, uh, you know, middle of the week, this is when the, the weekly grind kind of gets to you. You know, on hump day, it's like, oh, man, another day at work and we still have half the week to go. You know, you ever get like that? So uh, this is when people maybe start thinking about, boy, wouldn't it be great to have a dream job at a dream location somewhere uh, else in the world? You know what I mean? An analysis of Google Trends data has revealed that one-third, one-third of the world's population would be interested in moving to Canada to work. <laughs> that would be the ideal place to, to work, in Canada, apparently. Uh, that search for jobs in Canada is popular in 56 countries, including the United States, Mexico, Central America, and most of the Caribbean islands. Now, why would you, why you would want to move from the Caribbean islands to Canada, uh, I have no idea, but... Apparently, that's a very popular search there. So uh, the nation that most of the countries, people of the countries of the world uh, would be interested in moving to is Canada. Uh, Germany is another popular work destination. Uh, Romania, residents of Romania, Turkey, Croatia, Georgia, Poland, and eight other countries looking to relocate there. And if you're asking yourself, well, who would want to come to the United States? Who would view the United States as the uh, best job destination. Interestingly, workers in the most popular work destination for Americans, Canada and Germany, are the ones that are most looking to come here, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, people from Haiti and Israel also searching for jobs in the United States, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, other popular destinations include the United Kingdom, Australia, Switzerland, and Qatar, of all places. Not somewhere I would think. Um, but anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. To think about. Getting up, getting ready for work. Uh, and this is definitely a morning type of story, something you will want to know first thing out of the gate this morning. If you uh, have ever had one of those days when the caffeine just ain't cutting it for you um don't there is a scientific reason uh for that the effects of caffeine it says here can vary widely from person to person and are influenced by genetics so you know that one person in your office who always seems up and never has any caffeine but always seems up anyway or is constantly walking around the office with a cup of coffee in their hand, but they're still dragging. The caffeine doesn't seem to work. About half of in all individuals uh, are fast caffeine metabolizers. 40% are slow metabolizers, and 10% are ultra-slow. Uh, one key gene, CYP1A2, plays a significant role in determining a person's sensitivity to caffeine. The genetic difference affects how quickly caffeine is cleared from the body. According to a report, uh, this is in the Washington Post, caffeine sensitivity also depends on the number of uh, adenosine receptors in the brain. Do I have that right? I'm no scientist, so I don't know. But uh, that can be influenced by genetics 
and caffeine consumption. Those with more receptors are less sensitive to caffeine and may require more uh, may require more of it to achieve the same effect. In other words, increased caffeine tolerance over time is a thing. Genetic, genetics can also affect coffee preferences. With some genetic variants linked to high caffeine sensitivity being uh, less likely to enjoy the bitter taste of dark coffee. Additionally, caffeine sensitivity has implications for cardiovascular health, slow metabolizers potentially facing an increased risk of conditions like hypertension and kidney disease, etc., etc., etc. But anyway, uh, long and short of it is that, yes, uh, it is genetically... Uh, true that the there are differences from one person to the next in uh, the way caffeine works in your system and if caffeine works in your system. So now you know. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the mid-60s, increasing clouds tonight, a low around 50. The November election is less than a month away with issues on abortion and marijuana among the issues Ohio voters will decide on. A vote for issue one would establish an individual's right to choose in the state constitution. Issue two, the legalization of recreational marijuana. If passed, Ohio would become the 24th state to legalize cannabis for adult use. In addition to issue one and issue two, Many communities will see local issues such as council and mayor and school board races on the ballot. Election day is on Tuesday, November 7th. Nicole Coleman, director of the Hancock County Veterans Service Office, is excited about the new VA clinic that's coming to town. It will be fantastic to have a clinic in Finley with a primary care physician and mental health services For right now, our veterans are traveling to Lima or Toledo or Marion. Nicole says the clinic that's coming to 1720 East Melrose Avenue in Finley will be a lot more convenient for a lot of veterans. Get more details about the new clinic and the story on our website. Information has come out as to the reason why play was stopped during the Ohio State football game on Saturday. Because of an unauthorized drone above the stadium, Rigoberto Kanaka Esqueto was charged with illegally flying a drone over Ohio Stadium on Saturday during the game. He's facing multiple charges related to this crime. The Ohio State University police tweeted out a reminder saying the stadium is a no-fly zone at all times. I'm Yolanda Harris. The University of Finley is kicking off its solar eclipse programming aimed at educating the general public and local communities about the April 2024 total solar eclipse. The program on Thursday at the university's Davis Street building will be led by the Hancock Park District and will provide valuable insights into the nature of solar eclipses and also help people gain a deeper understanding of the phenomena. The total solar eclipse will take place on April 8th, 2024, and Hancock County will be in the path of totality. Get more details in the story on our website. And don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story this morning, exploring artificial intelligence and the fourth industrial revolution. Wow, that is the... uh, That is the title, the theme of the 22nd Annual Information Assurance Forum at the University of Findlay. 
And uh, Lauren Wagner is with us uh, once again to uh, talk about uh, the event, as uh, he has done every year for as long as I can remember. And Lauren, I appreciate you dropping by. Thanks for Good morning, Chris. I appreciate it. Boy, I tell you what, this is, and we were just talking before we went on the air, the AI component of this is uh, probably going to... Uh, peak the most interest but i want to start with that that second part the fourth industrial revolution how do you define that what is the fourth industrial revolution well it's really a composite of a lot of things um it, it, it's really uh surrounded by data mm-hmm. and this access to data and the ability to manipulate the data and the analytics so artificial intelligence is part of that uh big data is part of that mm-hmm. the cloud and and uh enhanced connectivity that we have today is is part of that as well Cybersecurity is, is part of that and it's bringing all of these things together to hopefully make businesses more efficient and at the same time it also creates a lot of uncertainty fear people tend to fear change and we're talking right. about big changes here big change. across all industries and what's interesting about this when we think of the industrial revolution in any of its iterations typically we think of blue collar manufacturing factories mm-hmm. that kind of thing this is something that impacts every industry yeah that's exactly right uh, often when you hear the word industry industrial you associate with manufacturing right right and uh this as you said this is a, this affects literally every type of market that you can think of whether mm-hmm. it's manufacturing the medical community is big financial community is big mm-hmm. all of these areas and if if you look today i mean we've been dealing with artificial intelligence for a long time um it just keeps getting uh, bigger and more and, mature more mature mm-hmm. uh and uh, affecting a lot more people and a lot more industry yeah um and i've i've talked about this before i i thought it was interesting you remember 30 years ago when robotics first came into mm-hmm. manufacturing and blue collar jobs uh, like on assembly lines and so on a lot of people were worried about you know robots coming for our jobs blue collar workers didn't ha- or uh, white collar workers didn't really have that uh, fear with robotics now we're talking about artificial intelligence and you see a lot of the white collar workers with those same fears that blue collar workers had 30 years ago that yeah. AI is coming for my job yeah yeah that's true that's that's uh that's a very real scenario and Mm -hmm. we've been seeing that more and more in the news especially the last 12 to 18 months right um but you know it's not unprecedented there's there's a as you mentioned with robotics and the impact that that had in the manufacturing industry largely but Mm -hmm. other areas too Mm -hmm. um it does impact people's lives and does impact their livelihood and it may impact their jobs you know they always say that it's there so you can do bigger, better things. Right. Right. But yeah. uh, the re- reality is that they're going to have to deal with it on a much more personal level than yeah. they have in the past. Sometimes uh, the uh, AI, in this case, helps you, and sometimes it replaces you. I guess finding that balance and finding it, it it's, it's coming, it's here in many cases already, but finding everything that it can do and finding what that new equilibrium is uh, is the big challenge it is a big challenge and and there's there's almost no industry that's not impacted today mm-hmm. uh just saw recently where google came out with a tool for doctors 
to, to help them from an artificial intelligence perspective and to 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 learn more faster. Well, that that kind of could take the place of some of those research people mm-hmm. that were doing things for the doctors. Now some of the doctors can do it a little more directly than they did in the past. Yeah. I think that's the reality of the, Interesting. Of the situation. That also uh, is a perfect segue to the concerns over, and this, again, is not new in the world of technology, especially as the technology develops, do we get ahead of the uh, the ethics and the legalities uh, of it? Uh, quite often, we become reactionary, and we only think about the implications after we've come up with the technology to do this, that, or the oh, other. Oh, absolutely. Thing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And we see that with the uh, cybersecurity all the time mm-hmm. you know products being introduced before they're completely mature or have the protection mechanisms that they should have within them um it's a, the other thing that that i see a lot chris is the focus on when, when you talk about ethics the focus on what people have control over and there's not as much focus on the the people that are out there that don't necessarily care so much about the controls or about the ethics behind it, and that's a re- very real part of it as well. Yeah, what is what is the biggest uh, concern? I mean, for you as someone who has uh, been around this technology from the start and and has watched this mature, mature and grow and evolve, and all of these issues again, not just AI, but particularly with AI because it's the big thing everybody's talking about right now. What is the the biggest concern or the biggest question mark at this point? Well, I think for me, the biggest concern is um, people taking for granted that the information that they receive from the, from some of these tools is 100% accurate. Hmm. You know, there's a, for example, there was a recent case over last year where uh, a lawyer used ChatGPT to generate a case study yeah. and, and presented it in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only to find out that it wasn't factual yeah. and that the references weren't even real. Uh, and I, I think we'll see that a lot. People will be so eager to use the tools and to, to get some of the results out of the tools that they won't do their due diligence and make sure that what they're getting is actually true and accurate. So, again, <clears throat> we cycle back to the Information Assurance Forum, which, by the way, is happening two weeks from today. Right. The University of Findlay uh, kind of lay out what uh, you'll be presenting and what folks will learn about this entire space. Again, that that title is pretty all-encompassing, and there are some big weighty topics here, exploring artificial intelligence and the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, so um, as we usually do, the, there'll be some presentations in the morning that are put on by the students who have been studying certain aspects of uh, the fourth industrial revolution and artificial intelligence. Uh, everything from uh, uh, big data to quantum computing to military applications of blockchain, mm. they're going to be talking about those those types of things. Uh, we're going to have keynote presentation on the fourth industrial revolution itself and artificial intelligence. There'll be two, two of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later in the afternoon, we're, we're going to have a local manufacturer uh, sharing how they're using some of the newer artificial intelligence in in their manufacturing process and where they might be going in the future. 
and then uh, then later in the afternoon after that we'll have some of the uh, uh, professors from different areas at the university different disciplines talking about AI and in, in the learning process that they're uh, and how it might impact some of the students who is this event uh, targeted at specifically because I'm thinking really anyone because Everyone will be impacted by this in some way, shape, or form. So everyone has kind of a stake in this. But who uh, is this most geared at, most uh, beneficial for? Well, I would say it's it's twofold. Uh, we have a big contingent of uh, area schools and universities mm-hmm. that may attend in person or attend online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big part of it. And then also, you know, local businesses and small business, medium business in particular, on how this might impact them and, and provide them with greater awareness and education on the subject. And that's really what it's all about, to uh, answer those questions. I mean, for those who hear us talking and uh, maybe saying, boy, a lot of this is going straight over my head, mm-hmm. or I, I, I get the concept, but I don't understand the details and, and, and so on. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we're, we're certainly going to try to boil that down to some of the practical applications. Uh, but hopefully it generates some curiosity mm-hmm. and, and uh, encourages people to go out and learn more. Yeah. Uh, you can't really go into something like this expecting all of the answers because uh, there really aren't any answers yet. Right. Absolutely not. I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of questions yet. Yeah. Uh, so the Information Assurance Forum is happening, as, as we mentioned, two weeks from today. It's on the uh, 25th. Right. How do folks uh, learn more and uh, get registered and be a part of this? Sure. They can go to iaforum.net, and that has the uh, the poster that, that we put together as well as the agenda and the registration. Registration will come up in big red letters <laughs> when you first go to the page. Yeah. And uh, one important detail is to register by the 18th of the month. So, uh, so lunch comes with your registration. And okay, that's good. That's a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, is one week from today. That's we'll one week from so. today. All right, uh, we've got the link up at our webpage, goodmornings.net, if you want to check that out. And again, Lauren Wagner with us this morning talking about the 22nd annual Information Assurance Forum at the University of Findlay, exploring artificial intelligence. The fourth industrial revolution should be a fascinating day. Lauren, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. So Hispanic Heritage Month uh, wraps up this weekend, and if that seems a little odd, it is. Hispanic Heritage Month, um, it's a full month, but it falls from mid-September to mid-October nationally, uh, instead of, you know, traditionally we think of these observances from the uh, first to the last of a month, but this runs from mid-September to mid-October, and uh, it sounds like... uh, an occasion for a celebration, and that's exactly what they'll be doing. The Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center joining us uh, from the center, uh, Jerome Gray and Jennifer Davis. Thank you both for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Good to be here, Chris. Uh, this is, I mean, this you is know, a great. In, in line with what you were saying about that date, yeah. The term Hispanic or Latin or Latino or Latin X mm-hmm. now people use, yeah. It's not related to, it's a person's culture or where their origin, country or origin is from, not their race. Yeah. And it's put together because September 
15th, 16th is the Independence Day for a lot of the smaller countries down there in in Central America. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask. Why the mid-month to mid-month sort of thing? Is it just to be different, or is there some specific No, the countries that it represents, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, most people think and say Mexico. But mm-hmm. Mexico is the last on the list. You've got Port- Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua are the five neighbors that share uh, independence from Spain on September the 15th hmm. of 1821. Okay. Whereas Mexico's Independence Day from Spain was September 16th, 1810. Okay. So All right. that's so, why you it runs from the 15th to the 15th. And uh, if there's any culture that knows how to hold a celebration, <laughs> uh, it is the Hispanic culture. I mean, they yes. they celebrate. When they have a celebration, they have a celebration. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do. And and that's what, what makes it fun. And, of course, we know that the Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center loves to have celebrations. We're down for throwing a party. <laughs> We're down, We're down party. for throwing a party. So you've got a uh, big to-do happening on Sunday. Is that Sunday. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. so it's Sunday. Give us all of the uh, details on this. Okay, so Sunday starting at 3 Mm p.m., we're going to open our doors, uh, rain or shine. We're going to make it happen. We're going to have two food trucks. We're going to have Lucera's from Ottawa, and we're going to have El Sabor de Hernandez here from Finley. We're also going to have Mon Cure Bakery. Uh, She's just opening up her business, Gabrielle Faulkner. She's been a big asset to getting this all started and helping us out with this. We're going to have a couple of vendors. We're going to have Green's Pottery for South American and Arrowheads. We're going to have a couple other vendors there. Um, we're going to have children's activities sponsored by Michael Store. We're also going to have a raffle for uh, Dia de los Muertos gifts that is also sponsored by Michael's. Okay. We're going to have a live DJ. He's uh, from Lipstick. His name is David Sabino. He's okay. got a lot of experience doing weddings and quinceaneras and a lot of Hispanic culture parties. Okay. So I, I feel like it's going to be definitely off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like it is going to be a great fun for all ages. Uh, something for, for all ages. You know, you mentioned the the crafts and 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 so on the uh, mm-hmm. the vendors that's the other thing that is just so incredible uh from the hispanic culture is that kind of art and and mm-hmm. that's, it is just amazing stuff so oh yes definitely we're going to have a lot of volunteers out there we're also going to have spanish-speaking natives mm-hmm. from venezuela and mexico that are in ecuador that are going to be there as well. So that way, when we have people come in from the migrant community, they're going to have people that they can talk to, that they can relate oh, to, awesome. that are going to make them feel welcome and at home there. We want it to be a safe space for everybody, especially minorities. So we want to make sure that we are accommodating to everybody's needs. And at the same time, for the rest of us, yes. it is a terrific opportunity to learn more oh, about yes. the Hispanic culture. Oh, yes. Well. I, I encourage anybody to come out, especially if they haven't been subjected or around the Hispanic culture that much. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's like stepping into a whole different country, mm-hmm. you know, and it's right there in your backyard. I yeah. mean, this is the this is the, like one of the biggest things that we've done here in Finley with the Black Heritage and Multicultural Center for, you know, for the community. And we want to keep this going if, you know, we want to see the community come in and pull together and give these guys welcoming with open arms. What are what are some of the more common misperceptions uh, about Hispanic culture? I mean, I think one of them is kind of what uh, Jerome was alluding to, the fact that most people, when they say Hispanic, they think 
Mexican immediately. That was that's like, but it's so mm-hmm. much more than that. I would imagine that's one of the misperceptions. It uh, it is, and right now we have so many individuals that are are here from Venezuela as well that get misrepresented as Mexican nationals. Mm-hmm. So we just want to look past the skin colors. We want to look past what what we see on the outside and understand that there's so much more. And that there's different variations of Hispanics. There's, you know, blonde, blue-eyed Hispanics that come from northern Mexico or from Spain, mm-hmm. you know, from the European regions, Uruguay, Paraguay. You know, we've got the darker natives, um, you know, that come down from the deep part south of Central America that almost represent our own Native Americans from our north region. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to see it as a whole instead of like separate countries. And of course, right now, uh, the uh, much of the Hispanic community kind of uh, in, I don't want to say in the crosshairs, but certainly uh, in the spotlight politically, there's a, this is a very charged uh, topic and, mm-hmm. and a, uh, a community that is uh, very much at the forefront of the political conversation. Yeah, the community tends to keep a low profile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of observing this, this month is because they, we don't know a lot about Hispanic culture and what they thrive on. What they're, and, but they've made significant contributions to the fabric of America, and this is an opportunity to celebrate that. That's that's such a good point. Um, Partly because we are farther removed from the southern border, mm-hmm. uh, if you think of places like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, Nevada, Arizona, you have quite a bit more of that type of culture intermingled mm-hmm. and mixed in uh, to the point where it's like integrated uh, into the culture. We don't have that here. So no, we don't. And it's, it's, they're kind of scattered all over. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right now it's a good time to celebrate those. We have a lot of workers that are coming up here that are working for a local company, Metronet, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're around town, they're digging, they're working hard. Everybody's seen them, but they don't know what they're actually here for or what they're doing. And they're working hard. They, they work from sun up to sundown. In fact, they were digging right in front of my apartment, a couple, a couple, weeks ago and i went out there and talked to the guys and you know they missed home they're you know they're they're here for for legitimate work they're they're Mm -hmm. working hard they're sending money back home to their families so they can help them survive right now right you know most of these hispanic countries that um they're they're coming up here from are in very bad turmoil and poverty Absolutely. And they're, they're just trying to make a living like everybody else. And that's part of the uh, political dynamic that doesn't often get uh, talked about is the reason why uh, you see so many mm-hmm. uh, from those countries coming to this country is because the abject poverty and the opportunities are just not there in their I th- native country. I think as a government, America used to do a better job of working to keep it feasible for people to stay in their homelands mm-hmm. and work with money that was being subsidized there. But over the years, that's disappeared, and naturally, they're going to follow the route of least resistance Fo- to try and find an income. Follow the money. Yes, that's, they are. You know, isn't that the, the thing that we always hear? And that's certainly what uh, yes. individuals uh, are, are doing. And th- an event like this is an opportunity to sort of remove all of that politics mm-hmm. and focus on the culture and the humanity of uh, of it all and and realize that hey, just people like everybody else mm-hmm. yes yeah 
I mean, if our country was going through the same thing, I guarantee we'd be out there looking for work in other places too, because, you know, we want to make sure that we can provide for our families. That's the most important thing. We're human beings. We're providers. And that's all they're doing is trying to provide. The the other thing, uh, having spent a significant amount of time in recent years uh, down south in like Florida and places Mm -hmm. like that, again, where there's a larger uh, Hispanic uh, population, it is very easy to get drawn into that culture too you know i mean <laughs> again with the with all of the celebrations and and the way that they celebrate life mm-hmm. very easy to get drawn in oh yeah you hear a little bit of a cumbia rhythm and, and your hips can't stop a shake <laughs> <laughs> you know, they know how to have a celebration culture and people are a good thing when yeah. you bring them together you learn and you grow with the knowledge from each other yeah. and we Gives us an opportunity to celebrate and do that here in Philly. Again, and always open to uh, to having a party. Open to having a party. <laughs> so again, it is uh, Sunday. Give us all of the uh, details here. Sunday, October 15th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. over uh-huh. at 817 Harmon Street, located at the Black Heritage and Multicultural Center. And it is going to be a terrific party and music and food there's always food involved when yes. there's a party at the black heritage library and it's Multicultural free and it is free that's the best part that is the best <laughs> part uh we've got a link on our webpage for more information from the black heritage library and multicultural center and again uh, jerome gray jennifer davis thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate Thank you. it thanks for having us you're listening to good mornings with chris oaks on 1330 wfin wfin.com and 95.5 fm We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. More fun out of the state of Florida to lead off today's broken news. Now, I I hate to pick on Florida because it's a lovely state. They're wonderful people uh, in Florida. I love Florida. But uh, they do tend to have more than their fair share of dumb things going on, it seems. And uh, this from Mount Dora, Florida where a man shot down a Lake County Sheriff's Office drone with a rifle as police were investigating a burglary at a nearby business. (laughs) According to a news report, the drone, valued at nearly $30,000, crashed into a building after being hit. The, uh, The perpetrator in question, Wendell Doyle Goney, claimed that the drone was harassing him. It wasn't. It was investigating a robbery at a nearby business. When confronted by deputies, ask him, what are you doing, man? Uh, It was later discovered that Mr. Goni has 29 29 prior felony convictions and therefore not permitted to own any firearms, including the twenty-two caliber rifle that he used to shoot down the drone. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Goni has since pleaded guilty to possession of a firearm as a convicted felon and faces another potential prison sentence of up to 10 years. Federal law prohibits convicted felons from pre- possessing both firearms and ammunition. So. Uh, but I guess if he's in prison, the drone won't harass him anymore. So there is that. Here is how not, how not to apply for a job. 23-year-old man, again, from Florida, this from the Miami area, 
was it uh, was seeking a job at a pilot travel center. You know, there's truck stops at the pilot centers. They got them all over the country. This one uh, outside of Miami, but ended up in police custody after he stole a Cadillac SUV while its owner was inside the convenience store. <laughs> well, he was after he applied for a job. He went outside and stole some customer's Cadillac. Not the way to apply for a job. Uh, the uh, victim left. Uh, the the victim apparently had left the vehicle running to uh, because it's very warm in Miami. It always is, and uh, apparently the uh, victim had some chocolate uh, like a, as a gift and didn't want it to melt. And uh, upon returning, found the suspect inside her vehicle. After a confrontation, the thief sped off, but the vehicle's OnStar technology allowed law enforcement to track and eventually disable the SUV. The man crashed and was arrested after a brief struggle. He now faces charges of grand theft auto, resisting arrest, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, He was in possession of a handgun found in the stolen car. Uh, he also presumably did not get the job. <laughs> Next up, this is uh, not all that far away. In Michigan City, Michigan City Indiana, uh, a number of fast food employees have been charged with involvement in an unusual scheme, stealing customer data to bail out jail inmates. The 10 suspects now face 20 felony charges, including fraud and criminal organization activity. The LaPorte County Sheriff's Office noted suspicious amounts of money were being placed into inmate accounts, the local jail. Officials say the accused employees were taking photos of customer bank and credit cards, using that information then to help inmates make bail. Um, then after making bail, the released inmates would have any remaining balance on their accounts transferred to a debit card that they could use to withdraw cash and complete the fraud. $14,700 was charged fraudulently in the scheme. Ten employees, local fast food restaurant, uh, have been charged. Uh, file that under sounded like a good idea at the time. Well, you know, they were trying to help out a friend. Just trying to, trying to be nice, trying to do something nice. And what does it get you? A Kentucky couple is being held in the local uh, jail, uh, Allen County, Kentucky for allegedly paying their babysitter with marijuana. (laughs) Trevor. Trevor Johnson and Amber Caldwell are charged with unlawful transaction with a minor and forcing labor on a victim under 18 years old. The juvenile victim was hired to look after the couple's child while they were at work. The pair then, instead of paying the kid in cash, uh, (laughs) tried to to trade babysitting services for marijuana. Uh, no, it didn't work. That's, uh, that won't work. <clears throat> that'll land you in jail is where that'll land you. That's, 
And uh, a couple of other items here. The uh, broken news. This this is how you know you're having a bad day. This is how you know you're having a bad day. A cemetery worker in South Brunswick, New Jersey, found himself in a rather grave situation. No pun intended. Tuesday afternoon, the cemetery worker uh, fell into and got trapped in a grave. Approximately two dozen first responders sprang into action to save the worker. (laughs) The 47-year-old cemetery worker had been attending to his duties following a funeral service when he accidentally tumbled through a wooden board plummeting about six feet into an open grave, resulting in a shoulder injury that meant he couldn't climb back out again. Uh, Rescue crews eventually successfully hoisted the injured man from the grave using a rope system, handing him over to EMS. He was promptly transported to a local hospital for medical treatment. He'll be fine. (laughs) But that's how you know that you're having a bad day when you trip and fall into an open grave. The cemetery. And finally, in the broken news this morning... The middle school at South in South Jordan, Utah, South Jordan, Utah Middle School was evacuated Monday afternoon due to an unusual smell. That's what the report says, an unusual smell. According to the district, fire crews were called, came to the building and investigated, but found no they no, they found no threat, but they couldn't precisely determine the source of the odor either. Since it was near the end of the school day, students were sent home after the evacuation. Uh, no injuries or medical issues were reported in association with the incident, but they still don't know exactly where the unusual smell at the middle school was coming from. Here's the question that I have. Did they check the bathrooms? <laughs> I remember when my kids were that age, and there were always unusual smells coming from the bathrooms. So... I'm thinking that might be one place that you might want to check out. Take a closer look. <laughs> there you go. That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When local news breaks, you can hear about it on social media at lightning speed. And while getting you the information fast is important, WFIN will always present the story only after verifying with actual sourced facts. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Trust the voice that's been covering the news in Finley and Hancock County for more than 80 years. You can depend on us to get the story right every time on social media, 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and at 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. New data from the Federal Reserve of New York finds a growing number of Americans worrying about falling behind on their debt. And that may be because, according to a separate survey of 2,000 Americans, 77% of American households are in debt With economic circumstances, uh, advertising, and difficulties in controlling spending listed as top factors. 54% 
say that they always or often feel stressed by their financial circumstances. 60% of Americans say debt has led to disagreements with loved ones. 72% of respondents feel that they are more likely to go into more debt when they are stressed. So you can see the vicious circle here. Debt causes stress. People are more likely to go into additional debt when they're stressed, which in turn causes more stress. 28% say their debt accurately triggers spending as they seek some sort of temporary relief from their stress. Have you ever done that? Have you ever wanted to just forget about all of your bills or whatever and just go out and treat yourself some way? You know, it, it is. It's a strange mindset, but I can say that, you know, I've, uh, I've experienced that. I know a lot of people have. Um, when your brain is stressed, it can be difficult for you to make rational, forward-looking decisions. Uh, Jacqueline Howard of Ally Bank says it is important to first acknowledge the increased anxiety that your debt is creating and then pause and allow your brain to calm down so that, number one, you don't do that stress spending, which only makes the problem worse, and that also will allow you to better problem solve, to uh, better be equipped to attack the issue. So happening around town, the Van Buren Fall Festival is happening this weekend. A lot of stuff is going on. Uh, we are joined by uh, Ed May and also uh, Curtis Ware and James Homan from the uh, Van Buren FFA. We'll get to that part of it here in just a moment. But uh, Ed, talk a little bit about what's uh, going on this weekend in the village of uh, Van Buren. Sure. Uh, right now we're looking at the 34th annual craft show 34th annual yep wow. and we've got 80 crafters and vendors inside Man, that's quite a uh, collection yep there. a lot large this is probably one of the largest ones we've had and we have several vendors outside as well as the health department the athletic boosters the music uh, department is going to be handling all the food inside the, the uh, cafeteria mm-hmm. and we've got food trucks we've got uh, the health department coming out the allen township fire department the sheriff's department and a new one stearns company is going to bring a tow truck out and okay with this new uh, idea he's thinking about so okay. kind of exciting new new stuff uh, there'll be uh, community garage sales going on. Yep, on there the is. Community? I think there's roughly twelve or fourteen of them. Yeah, and it's that, that's out on the village Facebook. Mm-hmm. So if you need to get a copy or you want to know where they're at. It's out there as well. Uh, this has uh, been a long time. You used to call it the uh, Apple Butter Festival. Yeah, it was the Apple Butter. This, it, you just kind of expanded it. Yes. What we've done is started to expand it more and more, mm-hmm. include all the boosters from the school and around the community. And we're looking at something new for next year. Can't talk about it at this okay. point, but something new at uh, Holy Park. You know, that's one of the uh, the cool things. So many uh, festivals like this go for a little while, and then they kind of uh, peter out and everything mm-hmm. been able to keep this fresh and new and expand it you know for how many years now? oh yeah Maybe well see. we'll be 35 next year so so it's it's been an interesting but yeah. uh it's been great and uh part of one of the other things that's going on as uh, part of the van buren fall festival and the reason we have curtis and james here the van buren uh, ffa you've got a uh, fundraiser uh little cow pie bingo going on so 
Explain. Yeah. So basically how it works is we have uh, 400 grid spots all laid out. Cal walks around. Uh, <laughs> first square it poops in. <laughs> Whoever holds that ticket gets $1,000. Second place is 750 Third place is 500 Not bad. Tickets are still available. They're very limited and going fast, mm-hmm. but we will be selling those at the fall festival. Okay, so presuming that there are any left by that time. So, exactly, yeah. Uh, who knows? Now, is there any training involved? I mean, who provides the cow, first of all? Whose cow is it? I believe it's the Sattler's cow. Okay. And nope, there's no training. Basically, it comes <laughs> in, wherever it poops, that's who wins. <laughs> and this could take... Uh, this could take a long time. This could be over yep. in five minutes. Yeah, we'll start at around 12, and then it gets three poops. And the first three <laughs> will be the three winning pickets. <laughs> uh, so what do the, what do you use the proceeds uh, for this for? What are the, Is there a, something that you're earmarking this for? Uh, so, yeah, this goes right back to our FFA members, right back to trips we're having, different events people are want to go to different uh different FFA competitions just that way kids don't have to pay mm-hmm. as much or at all just to go on different uh, FFA sponsored events yeah um and and so much out of what all of these things are are uh, fundraisers for uh, various uh, community uh, events here it says here uh, what, there are a couple of uh, scholarships? Yes. Uh, right now, the Lions Club offers two $1,000 scholarships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we support the FFA, huge, mm-hmm. uh, huge component of our, our group. By the way, uh, you're doing uh, uh, wellness screenings. I know the, the Lions are big on uh, eyeglasses, yep. and so you're doing vision screening, basic uh, vision screening? Not this year. We're not doing okay. the, the screening. However, we're taking names at who wants to do screening. Okay. But we're also collecting uh, glasses because then we send okay. that – through our um, international uh, Lions Club, mm-hmm. they get all the glasses and they distribute those out. Yeah. Uh, so some of the other uh, beneficiaries of things that the uh, the fall festival proceeds will go uh, toward uh, the uh, community garden project. Yep. The acts of the community garden is managed by the FFA. Okay. So what the right. Lions Club does is uh, support them for buying plants or whatever they need to keep that up and running. Mm-hmm. And uh, beautification of the village, like uh, the village square and, yep. and so, all of that. So if you looked at the memorial, I don't know if you've been to Van Buren, but we put a brand new memorial in a couple of years ago by mm-hmm. Jacob Dieter's uh, Eagle Scout Project. We also helped funded that as well. And, uh, and it says here, uh, various other projects to benefit the uh, Van Buren community. Mm-hmm. How are those uh, decided? I mean, you know, what you decide to use the the proceeds for. So right now what we do, we we gather the projects Mm -hmm. that people want, and then we just evaluate what the top one or two are, and and we help with that. Yeah. So this is a a project or an event that, yes, it happens on Saturday, Mm -hmm. but it's really uh, something that the – it has an impact much beyond that. I mean, Absolutely. it's more than just a, a one-day yep. thing. Yep. Um, as we mentioned, it is happening on uh, Saturday. Uh, give us all of the details on the festival itself. Okay. First of all. The festival starts at 9, ends at 3. Okay. And there, uh, the vendors will be start setting up around probably 6.30-ish. Okay. And then setting everything up, all the there. We'll be setting up the apple butter uh, table for the FFA. So there so is still can, apple, apple butter. It's not yes. called the Apple Butter Fest, right. but it is. A, yep. 
And James can talk about the apple butter. Okay. Yes, we will be selling. I think we have <clears throat> over 400 jars of apple butter to sell at $8 a jar. And we'll be selling that along with the Cow Pie Bingo ticket. Okay. Um, did you have to peel all the apples? Uh, yes. That? We last, oh man, it would have been two weeks ago, or last week we started making the applesauce for the apple butter. And then last weekend we made the apple butter. So that involves. Peeling the apples, boiling them, making the applesauce. That's quite a process. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long process. But it's yummy. It's it great is. stuff. Uh, so, and then the cow pie bingo, you said, starts at noon. Is that right? Yes. So, uh, and if folks want tickets for that, how do they get them? We will be, you can check out the Facebook uh, online at Vampir and FFA. Okay. And also we'll be selling them in the morning, probably up till 12 at the Apple Butter Fest. Until they're gone. All right. Uh, we've got a link up for more information all about uh, everything from the cow pie bingo to the community garage sales, the crafts, the homemade food. The Van Buren Fall Festival is uh, happening on Saturday and again uh, at May. Curtis Ware and uh, James Holman, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, 50 North is hosting a senior health and wellness fair this Saturday with a full schedule that is sure to be fun for all. We'll get details. And Congressman Bob Latta joins us to talk about what has been a crazy month so far on Capitol Hill. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.